listeners. Thank you so much for tuning in to today's episode of E Pluribus Unum. Today is going to be a COVID episode. There are actually rules when you start a new podcast within the past eight months that one must do an episode about COVID. It, there are a ton of rules about it. Uh, you have to give true information and you have to complain. It's a whole thing. Not really, but it does seem like every podcast has spoken about COVID, which I guess makes sense because it's unprecedented and challenging. And what are some of the other really overused words that people have used to describe COVID? I know I've, I work in communication, so I know I've sent out countless emails and social media posts and I've looked for ways to not say or not repeat unprecedented or challenging, confusing or weird, but there are only so many synonyms in the world. Anyway, so this is our COVID episode, or at least a COVID episode. We'll see if we return to it. But I've been wanting to talk about how conservatives have responded to COVID because I know for many people what is said about how conservatives are reacting to COVID in the media is all they know about how conservatives are dealing with COVID. And I think there's this idea that conservatives think it's a hoax or don't take it seriously. And while that is certainly true for some people, because there are pretty much no absolutes in this world. And I know I sometimes do say all conservatives think one way or the other. I assume that you lovely listeners know that generalizations are a way of talking and of making a point is very rarely possible to say all of one group of people does something or know of a group of people does something. As we all know, there are weird outliers like people who still believe Elvis is alive. So yes, there are people who think that COVID is a hoax and aren't taking it seriously. And there's always going to be a segment of the population that's like that. And there's only so much we can do. But I'm talking about your average, run-of-the-mill, everyday conservative and what I'm going to speak about. And in what I generally speak about, by the way, I'm talking about your average conservative, not the outliers, because again, there are always outliers. So it's not that conservatives think COVID is a hoax, especially right at the beginning. I know many people who, when everything first shut down back in March, and we were told it's going to be a couple of weeks because we want to stop the spread and give the hospitals time to react properly, conservatives just as much were quarantining properly and stocking up so that they could stay at home and keeping their distance and wearing masks and washing hands. Everyone was taking it very seriously. And then even when a month or excuse me, two weeks stretched into a month and people thought, well, okay, you know, this is temporary. This seems like it's really dangerous and we don't want people to get hurt and we can do a month. Okay, fine. But a month stretched into two, which stretched into three. And now it's been eight, right? Or almost eight. Keep on rounding, but it's somewhere in that zone. And I know it's different by state and possibly even by city and by county. So not everyone was putting up with the same rules, but you could see even back in May that there were conservatives who were protesting and people gave them a hard time for protesting. Here's where conservatives are coming from. First of all, the survival rate of this flu is really high, especially for people in the general population. We know that it is particularly devastating to elderly people, which while a tragedy because we love our grandparents or friends who are elderly, when you're older, you get sick more easily and unfortunately you also can die more easily and it's life and life sometimes sucks. But for the general population, this survival rate is really high and even, by the way, in older people. It's, I mean, remember Tom Hanks had it and 
Brian Cranston and President Trump, a lot of people who are over the 65 mark and they still are fine. So even for people who are in a more at-risk group, it's still not automatic that you die. That's the first thing. Conservatives are seeing it and saying, you know what, it's not, it's not insta-death. It's not you get it, you're dead. Most people are surviving. So okay, now we can treat it a little bit differently. Secondly, there are a lot of other costs to being shut down and clothes that don't have to do specifically with getting the flu. There are people who are isolated and it's not good for people's mental health. It's not good for people's physical health because people are staying inside and not moving around as much. So conservatives want to know the costs and costs don't have to do literally with money. It has. It's also the human cost. What is it doing to people to be out of work? Kids who are out of school, grandparents who can't visit their grandchildren and vice versa. People can't be together for their holidays or for funerals or for weddings or bar mitzvahs or other big life events. People have been planning vacations. People were performing or rehearsing for shows. People had plans in the making that had to be stopped. So it's a it's a human and personal life cost, something you were looking forward to or something that people have been planning for, sometimes for months, sometimes for years, has to be stalled or postponed or canceled. So that's a life cost. There is also, yes, a monetary cost because businesses have been shut down and it's no small thing for a business to be shut down because it's not just, oh, people aren't making money. It's, you know, a small business, people work years and put everything into making a small business work and for it to fail because they aren't allowed to work, you've lost your job and you've lost your livelihood. And it's not like some other places where you're, if you're employed by someone else, so then you can go be employed by someone else, even though there aren't as many jobs maybe right now as there normally would be. But if you're self-employed, now either you have to go be employed by someone else, which is maybe not something you're interested in, or to try to work hard again to reopen a business or a restaurant, that's, that's a lot of work. And people have put in years and it's not just time and money that people have put into businesses, but people put in their heart and soul and they get to know the community and maybe it's passed down through the family. So for small businesses or even large businesses to have to be shut down because of this, it's people not working so they don't have money and people losing jobs. And then it's also losing all of those years of work and dedication and love. So that's a cost. Kids doing school remotely, you know, doing it from home, they're losing out. As we all know, a big part of school is not just what we learn in the classroom, but the socialization. And if kids are at home and they're not getting the opportunity to socialize, to learn how to treat other people properly, to learn where they fit in the world, a year is a long time. When you're a kid, a year is a long time. And to miss out on other kids your own age or a large group of other kids your own age or kids, you know, and older and younger kids. That's a big deal. And we think, okay, well, they're working from home, but some kids are blessed that they have parents who will be involved in their learning and make sure that when they are on the Zoom with their teacher, that they're fully involved and invested and that they're doing their homework. But there are many kids who aren't blessed in that way. Their parents, maybe their parents still are working out of the home, or their parents just aren't as invested in their education. What about parents who speak a different language than English, so they can't help their kids as much, and then the kids can't be in person with the teacher? I can only imagine that those kids are falling back even more. If kids don't have the support system 
at home. And we know a lot of kids don't have the support system at home and being at school is a sanctuary and a safe place for them. And now for a year, they don't have that. I'm not a psychologist. I don't know what that can do to their development, but I can't imagine that it's good. There's also, and this is one where I actually changed my mind on because, so at first I was totally all on board wearing masks, washing my hands, which by the way, I think one of the better things about COVID is reminding people how important washing one's hands is because we've probably all been in the situation where we've been in a public bathroom and someone walks out without washing their hands and it's super gross. And hopefully that's something we as adults won't have to put up with anymore because adults, please wash your hands. You don't have to do it for 20 seconds. Warm water is preferable, but yes, most public restrooms don't offer warm water. Wash your hands after you go to the bathroom, okay? So, you know, there are a few good things. There, you can always find good things in bad things, almost always. Oh, but I changed my mind. So at the beginning, again, I was wearing the mask, washing hands, hand sanitizer, keeping distance, etc. And then as time went on, I thought, okay, I think maybe it's time for a lot of us to get back to work and back to school and back to our lives. But people who are at high risk, like elderly people, they should probably stay home. And then someone pointed out, I think it was Dr. Drew, pointed out that, well, if you're 75 and you're missing out on Thanksgiving with your family, this might be your last Thanksgiving. So yes, there's a risk that you could go out and get COVID and die, but also you're elderly and you could die next year anyway. So shouldn't elderly people be given the choice of whether or not to risk getting sick or take possibly the last opportunity to see their family? And that makes a lot of sense to me. And it actually makes a lot of sense to me for everyone, not just elderly people. Yes, people who are older are, you know, if life goes as it's supposed to, we die when we're old, but we can really die at any time. And no next breath is assured. So instead of waiting around, hunkering down at home thinking we're safe, shouldn't we live life? Because it could all end tomorrow anyway, whether from COVID or something else. I think that's actually where conservatives come down in general. It should be about choice and it's about life. So it's about choice because we should have the option to make the choice about our own lives. Do we want to take the risk of getting sick or not? I visited Arizona recently and in some of the stores, people had to wear masks, and some people didn't. And that was great, because some store owners wanted their customers to wear masks, so we respected their wishes, and when we went into their stores, we wore masks. And some store owners didn't care, and then we as a customer had the choice. We could either wear a mask when we went in anyway, because that was our preference, not wear masks because we didn't care, or not go into the store at all. And that's mostly what conservatives want. That's actually true of what conservatives want in a lot of areas of life. But focusing on COVID today, let us make the choice about our own lives because we know our lives better than, certainly better than the state government or the national government does because how could possibly someone thousands of miles away and with so many people and things on their mind know what's best for our own lives. But even our local governments, we know what's best. Maybe we are a restaurant that can really quickly pivot. There's another COVID word that everyone uses. Maybe we can really quickly pivot to takeout and it doesn't affect our business. But maybe we can't. So let us choose whether or not to be open and then let our customers choose. And if they don't want to come, they don't have to. They can stay home. You're not. None of us is forced to go into any business. So... Let the businesses choose and let people choose. If we are comfortable sending our kids to school, if we're comfortable meeting with friends, if we're comfortable taking walks, fine. And if people aren't, I totally understand people who have comorbidities or are at risk or are around family members who are at risk who are deciding to be safer. I respect that choice, but why can't my choice to 
want to continue to live my life also be respected. And I understand there's the idea that we all have to take care of each other and one person spreading it or one person being sick means that other people are going to get sick. And then I go back to the the reality of life, which is people are going to get sick and people are going to die and there's no way to prevent it. And it seems like people who are staying at home are thinking, okay, you know, this is just, this year almost doesn't count, right? I'm just going to stay at home. Next year, everything is going to go back to normal and be safe. And then we can just go back to living our lives. But we don't know what next year brings. We don't even know what tomorrow is going to bring. What if there is a worse virus next year? Are we just going to continue staying home? Will the rest of our lives be spent inside spending time with the same 10 or fewer people? If that's one's choice, then one may live one's life like that. There are hermits. It's a thing. But for the rest of us, we don't want to live like that. And I'm not going to, I'm not going to purposely put people at risk whom I know have asked me to quarantine or have asked me to wear a mask because I'm going to respect them. But I'm young now and I want to live my life now and something unfortunately could happen to me tomorrow or I could be struck with another disease and I want to live my life while I have it. And cons that's the conservative viewpoint. We want to live our lives while we have it. And I think it's because there's, in the conservative view of the world, more of an acceptance of reality. And that reality is that we're not immortal. We're all going to die. There are painful realities in life. And we can't avoid pain in life. Life is not even about avoiding pain. Life is about doing good and muddling through despite the pain and the tragedy. So COVID sucks. People are getting sick and it's really hard, but you know what? Life was hard yesterday and life's going to be hard tomorrow. So we can't just sit at home feeling safe under our blankets. We have to go out into the world and confront this flu and figure out how to live with it in our midst. I think that's really, I think that's really where a lot of conservatives fall down. Let us live our lives. Let us make the choice. Let us take the risks that we want to take. You don't have to take the risks you don't want to take. Don't tell us how to live our lives and we basically won't tell you how to live your life. And yes, there is a lot of government overreach that conservatives are really frustrated by. Again, it's one thing for a private business to say, please wear a mask, but for the government to come in and say everyone must wear masks, that wrinkles conservatives more because we don't like being told what to do. And does anyone really like being told what to do? I don't think people on the left like it either right? That's why people on the left don't want the government to tell people who they can marry or, you know, whether or not one can have an abortion or whether or not one can smoke weed. None of us likes being told what to do. We just maybe have a different idea of when either of what it means to be told what to do or what things we maybe don't mind being told what to do, but I think humans just don't like it generally. I also just quickly want to go back because this is something else that hit me the other day and I believe it's because a friend brought it up. So this idea that there are alternate costs. So if everything shut down, maybe we spare the hospitals and we keep people from getting sick. But I think it's a very elitist point of view to think, oh, well, we can all just be at home for eight months and keep going because some of us are lucky that our jobs are on a computer so we, we can just go home. We don't have to be in the office to work. I think all of the businesses being shut down disproportionately affects people who are at the lower end of the income spectrum because people who are, who work in restaurants or retail or bus drivers or anything where one has to physically be present to do one's job because those things are shut down. But often those people, whether they're young or maybe they're new to the United States, so that's the kind of jobs that they have. They they don't have the luxury of taking their job home. Their job is location-based and involves being with people. And I know some of those jobs were considered 
essential. So some people still got to keep their jobs, but really the people who, even if they got to keep their jobs, if people aren't coming into restaurants or people aren't coming into shop, hours are going to be cut and hours were shortened at a lot of stores anyway. And I think it's, it's such arrogance to say, oh yeah, let's just shut everything down. Everyone go work from home because there are a lot of people who can't work from home. Also, there are a lot of people who it's really not good for them to be home all the time. I mentioned before, you know, kids who may be going to school is the only place where they feel safe, but there are spouses, wives and husbands who abuse each other and now they're stuck at home all the time. People who abuse drugs and alcohol who are now around their family all the time and that's not safe. People who are depressed who now are stuck at home and can't be out with other people. There are a lot of costs and life, all of life is kind of about figuring out what the costs are between two choices and making that choice. And what conservatives are asking for is let us be the ones to make the choices for our own lives. I know what the cost is. I know it means I could go in the hospital or potentially die if I get this illness. But on the other side, I am going crazy at home. I can't stand the people I'm around. My, you know, someone's husband or wife could be abusive and, or I'm an alcoholic and I need my AA meetings. So I've decided that it's better for me to be out than to be in. We just want to be able to make those choices. That's all. Thank you so much for listening. Thank you for listening to E Pluribus Unum. I hope today's episode made you think or brought some clarity and positivity to your day. Subscribe to the show to always get the most recent episode directly to your device. Please leave a rating and a review and share the show with your family, friends, or anyone you think might benefit from a little Torah wisdom and conservative thoughts. For more of my thoughts and ideas I share from others, please follow me on Instagram at conservativejewishfemale or read my blog conservativejewishfemale.blogspot.com. The intro-outro music is Chopin's Waterfall Etude. Have a great day!